Hey, this is Paul Doherty. I'm the pastor of Victory Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today on the podcast. I hope this message inspires you. I hope it builds your faith. I hope it reminds you that God is not finished with you yet, and your best days are right in front of you. Enjoy the message. I want to talk to you today about the pathway to promotion. Everybody say the path to promotion. Thank you so much, Ben. I'll call you up in just a moment. The path to promotion. How many believe that God wants to promote you in this room? All right, most of us in this room. Let me tell you today, let me answer the question. God wants to promote you. The word promote actually means to advance. Now, there's some people who actually think that God's role for all believers is for us to get lesser and lesser and lesser so that we get demoted, 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 and have zero impact, zero influence on our community, on our world, that we just eke our way through life and we're all worms and we barely make it and then we get into heaven and God goes, good, nobody noticed you, you were invisible, that was my plan. That's not God's plan for your life. Like God doesn't just have a plan to help you survive through this planet, but God wants you to thrive. God wants you to be promoted. Why? Because as you advance, as you grow, you can make a greater impact on your community, on your family, on your neighborhood, on your campus, on your high school, on the nation, on the nations of the earth. Everybody say, God, God. wants me to grow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why God has trees and plants. It's in creation. That the purpose of all creation is that things would bear fruit. He didn't put trees on the planet so that they would shrink, shrivel, and die and bear no leaves and no fruit. God actually rebukes plants in the Gospels for not bearing fruit. So God's goal for your life is for you to grow. Everybody say, God God. wants me to grow. God wants you to advance. God wants to see you get promoted. But we live in a society of so much self-promotion, right? Like self-promotion, we're self-promoting all kinds of things. We're trying to earn our promotion. We're bribing our way towards promotion. There's so many people that, hey, if I you know, flatter my boss enough, if I kiss up to my teacher, if I do these things, if I give this money, then I can get my promotion. Or if I have enough talent. And let me tell you this, talent will get you into the room but talent will not keep you in the room. Talent might get the attention of your boss. You might actually get a promotion because of talent, but talent cannot help you keep that promotion. At the end of the day, if God is not promoting you, then whatever it is that you use to get into that promotion, at some point that will not sustain you. So God has a plan for us that requires us to seek his promotion in our lives versus our own self-promotion, amen? Psalm 75, verse six, it says, promotion and power do not come from the earth. Promotion and power doesn't come from the north, south, east, and west. Promotion comes from God. God promotes one and he demotes another. God has the power to demote you as well as promote you. I would hate to get to the point where my talent, my charisma, my skill, my connections, my pride, my ego causes me to be set up for a demotion instead of a promotion. Because you might get yourself into the room, but if your pride does not get killed, then that pride will cause and lead you to your demotion and your fall. If you look at today, even the, the large major companies in the earth that at one time used to be so big, but now we're asking, you know, where are they? What happened to Blockbuster? Come on, anybody like just want, how many of y'all remember the Blockbuster days? What happened? What happened? Right, because what happens is sometimes people get comfortable with their success, 
They get comfortable with how far they've come and they stop learning and growing and they stop believing that there could be more and they don't know it all and they haven't figured it out at all. And, and so these new guys come in like Netflix or you know these new guys come in like Steve Jobs. They start thinking of new ideas. They start dreaming of new ways to do computers or devices. And what happens is these great companies, how the mighty have fallen. I don't wanna be one of the mighty that falls. I wanna be one of the guys that continues over time. I may not be the, the rabbit, but I'm the turtle. I'm taking one step, I'm getting promoted. Every day I'm growing, I'm advancing. It may not be fast, but steady. And I promise you, if you will trust in God's promotion, it may not happen as fast as you want it, but I'm telling you, it will sustain you in the rooms that your talent cannot sustain you. If you will trust in God's promotion over self-promotion in the days of just trying to create as much attention on us instead of putting the attention on God. How do we get God's promotion in our lives? Like how do we position ourselves for God's promotion? What is the path to God's promotion? I believe just like you use both of your feet to uh, run, to walk, to pedal your bicycle, I believe there's kind of two feet on the pathway towards promotion. One foot, is true humility. We're gonna talk about true humility today. The other foot is audacious faith. Everybody say true humility, audacious faith. Some people would say those two don't go together. You can't have true humility and audacious faith. It's kinda of like they contradict each other. But I would say true humility produces audacious faith. True humility, like not false humility, none of that like, oh, I'm so unworthy, don't compliment me, it was all God, I had nothing to do with it, right? We know deep down inside you're thinking, I'm awesome, I'm so awesome, but I'm gonna pretend <laughs> like I'm not that awesome. <laughs> True humility produces the kind of faith that David had when he went out to slay Goliath. True humility. Let's talk about that because I think the starting point for the pathway towards promotion is true humility. Proverbs has a lot to say about humility versus pride. Proverbs says pride leads you to a fall, but humility leads you to honor. Proverbs says that pride causes you not to listen to the people in your life that are trying to talk to you. And this is, this is kind of the problem with preaching about it today. The problem with preaching about pride is the people who need it aren't listening. <laughs> right? Because pride makes you think, I don't need this. This is for that arrogant little boy <laughs> or girl. This is for that cocky husband of mine. This is for that prideful wife of mine. They better be listening to this message because they got so much pride and cockiness and arrogance and you're so good at spotting pride in other people, which might be a sign <laughs> that this message is for you. All right. James chapter four, verse six says, God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. God actually gives more grace to the people who go low than the people who go high. Second Chronicles seven fourteen says, if my people who are called by my name, and people will immediately jump to the part of, will pray. It, it doesn't start with prayer. It actually says, will humble themselves. The first step towards healing in our nation is humility. Humility. Like, let's make our nation humble again. Like, let's, let's come back to a place of we don't know it all and we're not God's big favorite, hot shot, you know, all that and whatever. Like, we need God's grace. Where would we be without God? We are not a self-made nation. 
And you, my friend, no matter how successful or talented you think you are, you are nothing without God. And the second you think that you're everything without God, you are setting yourself up for a fall. What happened to Blockbuster? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. There's something about humility that's attractive to God. James 4 verse 10 says, if you humble yourself before God, he will exalt you in due time. Luke 14 11 says, those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. In order for God to help you be over what he wants to put under you, he's waiting for you to get under who he's put over you. A sign of humility is that you have some submission to authority in your life, that somebody can tell you no that you're not in charge of every single thing in your life and, and you don't know it all. I don't know it all. Humility is, is a battle that I've been fighting since I was little. I, there's so much pride that wants to surface in my heart. Like it's a daily battle of pride. Pride is the need to, to win, the need to be in charge, the need to be liked and affirmed and impressive in the eyes of man. The three things that, that God warns about in the Old Testament is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What is the pride of life? It's this, ah, oh, I wanna be better than you. I wanna be impressive in your eyes. I wanna be important. I want people to follow me, to know me. All these prideful thoughts that stir up in our hearts in this insecure culture. We're investigating insecurity. At the root of insecurity is this pride, this pride of life. I'm upset. I'm mad because I'm not getting what I want. There's a lot of eyes in that sentence. So how are we doing on humility? How are we doing on humility? My dad used to preach oftentimes in front of some very important people that would come in the room. And I learned a lesson from him because I remember times where you know, key leaders in our community, in our state, even in our nation would show up and sit on the front row. And one of them was Oral Roberts. He would come and sit in the service. Oral Roberts, like the man who like changed so much of the faith community, built the university across the street. Oral Roberts would come and attend church. And my dad would be preaching and I'd be thinking, how is he preaching with Oral on the front row right now? You know, and he would just be giving it all he got. And yet, you know, he's kind of like, Oral is, is a giant, a hero in my dad's eyes. But the way my dad was able to do it is because he feared God more than he feared man. So it actually, real humility is not being afraid of everybody. I'm not that good, I'm inadequate, I'm unworthy. Real humility gives you great confidence in, in, in front of people that you should be afraid of. Real humility gives David the kind of courage and audacious faith to stand up to Goliath and say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of the living God? False humility produces more insecurity and more pride and more self-centered focus. So how do we have real humility? 1 Peter 5, verse five says, we should all clothe ourselves with humility towards one another, that there should just be this, this environment, this culture of humility in the church. Proverbs 15, says, prideful people have a hard time listening to advice, but humble people seek advice. Micah 6, verse eight. Is it okay if I, I just share some scriptures with you today on this? I really want, I, there's something in my heart I've gotta get out. Micah 6, verse eight says, what does God require from you? Turn, turn to someone next to you and say, what does God want from us? 
What does God want from us? And, and look at this. It doesn't say God wants you to have a bunch of money. It doesn't say God wants you to, to make sure that your Instagram profile looks good. It, it doesn't say that you need to beat all your competitors. It doesn't say you should make 65K a year. It doesn't say you should win all your games. God doesn't require you to beat all your competitors. God doesn't require you to look impressive in the eyes of people. God doesn't require you to wear a suit and tie to church. God doesn't require you to, to have the entire Bible memorized. God doesn't require you to have a bunch of money or drive a nice car or live in a nice house. What does God require of you? The first thing Micah says in Micah 6 verse 8, if we can throw that up there, it says act justly. Everybody say act justly. To act justly is to do the right thing. To do the right thing because God's watching, not because other people are watching. Act justly. To pursue justice on the earth. Justice. That I want to do the right thing. I don't want to be bribed to do something. I don't want to be manipulated to do something. I want to do the right thing. Acting justly is walking in honesty and integrity. If what you're doing is not real, if it's not from a real humbling place... Chances are it's from a prideful place. So even the flattery that we give to one another. If I give you a compliment, I mean it. Like I'm not trying to impress you or keep you in this church. I actually mean it. I love you. But if we walk up to our boss and people around us and we're trying to brown nose and suck up to the boss and kiss up and we're just you know taking bribes, I'm gonna start this player because his dad gave more money than that player, that's not justice. That's dishonest gain. That's a lack of character, and our nation is begging, they're thirsty for justice. Our nation is going, please stop throwing the wrong people in prison. Please stop doing these things from bribes and from manipulation and from all kinds of sorts of, of injustice that's going on in the earth, and it starts with the church. So God says, here's what I require of you, not a big Instagram following, but justice. I want you to pursue justice in your community, in your family, it starts with you. How are you treating the people around you? the people who can bring nothing into your life? How are, you handling, how, do you, how are you handling the situations where you can walk in justice right there? And then secondly, he says, love mercy. Everybody say, love mercy. Love mercy. Love mercy. Well, some, some, some people are in the ditch of justice. They're crying out for justice and they're lacking mercy. And if you get in the ditch of only justice and no mercy, you start believing the first accusation about a person. Guilty until proven innocent. Oh, yeah. We're going we're gonna to bring it all the way back to whatever they did in middle school. Yeah. What did they do after that party in middle school? Yeah, but you got what you didn't deserve. You got grace. It's called unmerited favor. Mercy is getting what you didn't deserve. How many are thankful for the mercy of God in your life? Let he with no sin cast the first stone at the guy that's getting accused of stuff from 45 years ago. All right, so here's what we gotta do. We gotta love justice and we gotta love mercy. You can't be a Christian and only be in the ditch of justice and not also have the balance of mercy too. So you're, you're walking hand in hand, justice and mercy. And then he sums it up right here. Here's what else I require you, the bottom line, to walk humbly with your God. When I was a teenager, one of my favorite Christian worship artists, musicians was Stephen Curtis Chapman. Come on, I love that guy. Someday I'm gonna have a friendship with him. But listen, I like memorized all his songs. He had this one song called The Walk. How many of you guys remember The Walk? 
Cause you can run with the big dogs, you can fly with the eagles, you can jump through all the hoops and climb a ladder to the top. But when it all comes down, you know it all comes down, 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 down to the walk, boom, 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 boom. Come on, Stephen Curtis Chapman is legit. You can call me old-fashioned, old-school, but I'm, okay. I'm comfortable in my own skin. I don't need your new music to be cool, all right? All right? Don't, don't make me preach about my old-school favorite tunes. I'm okay being corny in your eyes. I'm not here to impress you, all right? I don't need to memorize your Drake songs. I got Stephen Curtis Chapman, okay? Please, please. SCC is where it's at, and Michael W. Smith. All right, back to the message here. Walk humbly with your God. This is the requirement from God. Walk humble. Walk hum Be humble, sit down. Walk humble. All right, okay, I do know some songs from today. But God wants us to walk in humility. What does that look like? It looks like not self-promoting. And I think sometimes all of us are really quick to point it out in other people. And, and we've gotta look internally and go, am I, am I like, itching and driving for something on the inside that God wants me to wait on in his timing? Am I trying to like flaunt you know, what I've got and, and, and not trust that God can get me where he wants me to go in his timing? The pathway towards promotion requires true humility. True humility. John chapter three probably has one of the best stories on true humility, in my opinion, in the Bible. John the Baptist was a great preacher. Everybody liked to listen to John the Baptist. People would come from miles and miles and miles to come and hear John the Baptist. In fact, Jesus himself came and listened to John the Baptist. He even came to John the Baptist and said, I want you to baptize me. That's how much I respect and admire you as a preacher. But in John chapter three, the tables had turned. And the same guys that used to love listening to John, they were now going to listen to Jesus. Now, Jesus was the guy that John had given a shot to, gave him a chance, put him on the platform, said, this guy is the real guy right here. And the followers of John, they came up to him and they said, hey, listen, listen, aren't you upset? Like your crowds are dwindling and they're all going to see Jesus now. Doesn't that make you mad? Like, shouldn't you flex your muscles and talk about how awesome you are? And John the Baptist doesn't start a campaign for himself or even for Jesus. He has this quiet confidence. He says, he must become greater and I must become less. And I'm not gonna tweet it, and I'm not gonna write it. If someone else wants to say that I said it, that's fine. But I'm not here to try and promote some false humility. I'm just telling you right here so you know, he must become greater, and I must become less. He must increase, I must decrease. When I was at Oral Roberts University as a student, I, uh, I got a job there, and, and I got a job as a janitor. And to be honest, I didn't like the job. <laughs> And I was working it for about two and a half years. During that time, I was serving in our children's church. I had tried out for our youth worship band four times in a row, and I didn't make our youth, the Victory Youth Worship Band. I was so frustrated. I, I came home, I was like, Dad, why can't I make the youth worship band? He's like, you gotta keep getting better. My sister was the youth worship leader, not Sarah, Ruthie. And, um, and I was like, Ruthie, why aren't I making it? She goes, you need to grow in your humility. And so I said, okay, all right, all right. The fourth time I tried out for the youth worship band, I get up on stage, I said, I have been working on my humility. I'm the humblest guy I know. <laughs> and she's like, get off the stage now. <laughs> we don't even need to hear your song, just, just walk off. I was like, okay. 
Sometimes we're so blind to our pride. And, um, and I remember going to ORU, tried out for the ORU worship team. I didn't, not only did I not make the worship team, I didn't even make the choir. And two years in a row go by and I don't make it. And I'm working as a janitor and I'm feeling less and less important by the, the hour. I'm feeling like my life is just becoming more and more invisible. And I was frustrated because the pride inside me wanted to be noticed, wanted to be important, wanted to appear impressive in the eyes of people, wanted to be a leader on campus, but the motives were all wrong. It wasn't for the glory of God. It was for the glory of Paul. And what God was doing is he was pulling out this prideful desire to be glorious in the eyes of man. And he was putting in this desire in my heart to just be pleasing in the eyes of God. Right? To, to, to pull out the pride is to remove the fear of man and to start walking in the fear of God. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Not being afraid of God, but caring more about pleasing God than impressing people. God was changing me. He was changing my heart. We had to get up early in the morning and salt the sidewalks and it would snow and ice and sleet. And I had to, I had to salt the sidewalks from our dormitories all the way to our, our, our student center, the GC and the chapel. It was about a quarter of a mile of amount of sidewalks that we'd have to get up at 4 a.m. and carry salt. And we didn't have go-karts. We didn't have the golf carts. It was just us, our legs, our hands doing this and we're walking, it's 4 a.m., it's freezing outside, and it's cold, the wind's blowing, and then we'd have to pick up after basketball games and baseball games, set up for events. And some of y'all, you, you go, yeah, yeah, I, I get it, I get it. But what was happening was every time I was doing something, I was being crushed on the inside in a healthy way. Sometimes God takes you through a process where he starts crushing out the pride that's inside you, and he starts birthing a humility that's inside you. And I've been reading John chapter three and kept going over John three, verse 30. He must increase, I must decrease. And it was becoming more and more real in my life. We used to sing a song at Victory back in the day. It's all about you, Jesus. Well, I used to get that mixed up as a teenager. I'd say, it's all about me, Jesus. And I didn't even mean to, and I'd be like, oh man, I got those lyrics wrong. But God was changing the lyrics. He was helping me to realize it's not about me. Everybody say, it's not about me. It's not about me, it's about him. And I remember walking through those baseball stadium, and one night I was cleaning up somebody's nachos and I didn't have gloves on my hand. And, and, uh, and I'm picking up their chips and their queso and I'm just frustrated with, with my job and my season of life. I thought I'd be further by now. Have you ever thought that before? I thought I'd be further by now. Has anyone been there before? I thought I'd be promoted by now. I thought I'd see the promotion, the advancement, the growth, the increase, but it wasn't there. And I started singing this song. In fact, I, I pulled out my guitar when I got back to the dorm room and I started writing this song that started coming during that time. And um, it was just those words. I must decrease you must increase Lord I want more of you I must decrease you must increase Lord I want more of you so empty me of all of me cause all I need is more of you oh empty me 
more of you. I must decrease, you must increase. Lord, I want more of you. So I, I started singing that song. And um, our band, we, we had been playing, traveling. We recorded that song. We put it on an album. And ORU announced my junior year, Oral Roberts, they announced that they were gonna do a live album with Carrie Job. They said, submit your songs if you've written songs. Well, I submitted it. They liked it. And they said, hey, we want you to lead that song in chapel. And I went from not playing at all, like just a place of invisibility on campus. In fact, one guy came up to me my senior year and he said, hey, are you the son of, of the preacher? Billy Joe Doherty, I said, yeah. And he goes, are you a freshman? I go, no, man, I'm a senior. I've been here the last four years. I've been picking up your queso in the baseball stadium, you arrogant, awesome boy. I'm sorry. And I got upset at these people that thought I was an invisible little dude. You know, our pride flexes our muscles. Oh, I'm somebody, I'm somebody. You better recognize I'm somebody. And, but anyways, finally, I get to sing in chapel. I sing that song. And man, I just started crying because I thought this was God. I could not have promoted myself here. I was shut down, I was rejected, I was not accepted on the choir even, and yet God opened the door for me to sing an original song on that chapel stage. And I heard just God whispering to me in that time, Paul, promotion comes from me, promotion comes from me. Talent can get you into the room, but promotion comes from the Lord. You could self-promote yourself all day long and you might be able to get yourself really, really far, but at some day, that self-promotion is gonna collapse. It's, it's a, it's a sandcastle. But if you wanna build your house on the rock, it starts with humility. So I go, Lord, you promote me in due time. So there I was, I'm singing the song. Afterwards, they said, man, that went so good. We're gonna put it on the album, that song. And I'm like, what? I'm so excited. They're like, yeah, we're gonna put that song on the album. What? That's amazing. And they said, it's so good. We don't want you to sing it. Cause you're gonna mess it up. Oh man, my pride was just going, what? You know, on the inside, but on the outside, I false humility. Oh, praise God, yeah, that sounds good. <sighs> you know, you know, just, we mask it. We act like super humble, okay, cool. And on the inside, we're so mad. Our pride is shot. They said, we're gonna have your friend Brad Fontaine sing it. Now, Brad was a great singer. But on the inside, I was like, he doesn't deserve it. He didn't write that song. I wrote that song. I'm the one that wrote that song, you know, my pride. And God's going, hold up, hold up. This song isn't about you. So they said, no, 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 listen, Paul, we still got a place for you. You get to sing on the choir. You've been trying to join the choir the last two years. We're gonna let you sing in the choir when we sing your song on the, the live album recording at the Maybe Center. So that night, I'm in the choir. I'm on the fourth row in the choir. They turn the lights down dark. They don't even have a microphone on my side of the choir. I'm going, what in the world are we doing over here singing with no microphone on us? <laughs> and Brad's singing my song and I'm going, he must decrease, I must increase. <laughs> like it was a horror movie. I was thinking fleshly thoughts of how I was gonna go tackle him, take him down, steal the microphone. And God, God was like, Paul, Listen to the irony of your song. I must decrease, you must increase, Lord. And you know what? God started to really do some work in my heart. Like I said, it's a daily battle for me. Honestly, every day, the pride tries to surface in my heart. And I've gotta come back to God. 
whether it's in marriage or parenting or pastoring this church or just the desire to be important, just the desire to be impressive. Like, God, you don't require me to be impressive before any people. At the end of my life, all you want is faithfulness. All you want is just a walk of humility, that I lived with justice, that I did the right thing when I could. And if I didn't, that I, that I pursued mercy and I repented and I started by coming to you clean, honest. This summer I was with God and I was on this hike and, and it was just me and him. I was out there in the wilderness all by myself, but I felt like God was right there with me. I'm hiking through the mountains and I just felt this impression in my heart. And I think this is for you today. I'm sharing this because I think it's for you. God said, I just want gut-wrenching honesty, Paul. Gut-wrenching, like just be totally honest with me. Totally honest. I already know what you're thinking, so just go ahead and say it out loud. So man, I, I fell down right there in the mountain area. And I wasn't getting on my knees because anyone was watching. I was getting on my knees because only God was there. And it's the only way I know sometimes just to be honest with God is, is to say, God, I, I need you. God, I just want to be a good husband. I just wanna be a good daddy. I wanna be a good pastor. But the pride inside me wants to be important, wants to, me, wants to be impressive, wants to be liked, wants to be affirmed, wants to please people, wants to, wants to do all of these prideful things. So Lord, I just, I want you to pull out the pride, pull out the insecurities. God, pull out every fleshly thing inside of me that's battling against the humility that you've called all of us to walk in. And as I'm saying this, like tears are coming down, I'm sweating and God's just saying, yes, this is what I want. This is what I want. There's something about brokenness. Second Corinthians chapter 12 says, God gives grace to your weakness. In your weakness, his strength is made perfect. When we get honest before God, God's grace shows up. Those who exalt themselves will be humble, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. Secondly, this real humility leads to audacious faith. Say audacious faith. God wants to get involved in your life. He wants to do the impossible in your life. God wants to take you from where you're at to somewhere further. The pathway towards promotion is not just humbling yourself, it's now exercising your faith. The litmus test for your faith is what kind of prayers are you praying? Mark 11 verse 23 says, anyone who says to this mountain, move, it shall be moved and cast into the sea as long as he believes in his heart and does not doubt. The Bible says anyone. Mountain moving faith is for anyone. You don't have to be an old saint to have mountain moving faith. You could be an eight year old boy that has a dream in your heart. God honors bold prayers and bold prayers honor God. God honors bold prayers. Sometimes the 12 year olds are exercising more faith than the 65 year olds. It doesn't matter how old you are. God says anyone, anyone who speaks to the mountains move. That's why 16-year-old David ran out in the field and said, Goliath, you're not gonna mess with my nation. Goliath, you might look big, look strong, you might be older than me, but I know the God that's inside me. Audacious faith is not confidence in your flesh, it's confidence in God. It requires real humility to walk in audacious faith. What so many people in the church do is when they see somebody stepping up with boldness and confidence, they go, cocky arrogant, look at that worship leader dancing on stage, look at that preacher giving it all he's got and trying to do it all, like arrogance. What, what, 
We have totally misunderstood what true humility is and what audacious faith, those, those things go hand in hand. When you're walking in real humility, you're preaching on another level. You're living on a higher, you're walking in a greater boldness and confidence. You're casting a vision for the church to grow. You're talking about busting down walls and building more and reaching more people and going after the next generation. You're not content with how far you've come because you know God wants to take you further for his glory, not for your glory, not so your name is great, but so his name is great. He's looking for somebody, anybody that would say, God, use me, use me, use me. I ran into a guy this past week right here in Tulsa who said, when I came to Tulsa, I was broken. I was high. I came to victory high every time. I went to ORU's chapel services on drugs. My life was messed up. I was court ordered by a judge to come to Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was from Baltimore, Maryland. I was a drug dealer. The reason I was a drug dealer is because I was a D1 football player who lost a scholarship because I got in a, a, an accident from drinking. When I got in the accident from drinking, my life spiraled downhill. I started doing drugs, started selling drugs. I became one of the biggest drug dealers in Baltimore. But then I got arrested. And the judge said, I'm gonna sentence you to 30 years in prison or I'm gonna sentence you to move to Tulsa, Oklahoma and go to a school called, called Oral Roberts University. He said, I'll take the school. He said, when I came here, I felt like prison. <laughs> he said, honestly, I didn't wanna be here. I didn't wanna sit in these chapels. I had to go to church every week. It was part of the court order. And I went to a church in the Maybe Center called Victory. And there was a guy named Billy Joe Doherty and he would get up and preach and I was high. But one day God interrupted all of that with an encounter with him. And I asked him to record this on video. Because where God has taken Mike today, he now pastors the largest church in Baltimore, Maryland. He now is on like the city council meeting with the mayor, the governor of Maryland often. He's changing education. He did a TED Talks this year that went viral. 280,000 people watched his talk on the charter school that he started out of his church in Baltimore where he's rescuing kids out of all kinds of craziness and he's giving them a place to find hope and get an education and learn morals and values from Christ. So I asked him to, to, to make this. I want you to check this out. This is Mike Phillips from Baltimore. This is Pastor Michael Phillips from Baltimore, Maryland. I was just in Tulsa and had the privilege of meeting your amazing pastor, Pastor Paul Darty, And I was explaining to him how Victory Christian played a vital part in my life. 23 years ago, I was court ordered by a federal judge to attend Oral Roberts University as a student. I was facing 30 years in prison. And the judge gave me a choice to go to jail or to go to school. And I definitely chose school. On the campus of ORU at a chapel service, I had an encounter with God that changed my life forever. The power of God hit me so hard, I ran back to my dorm room and locked myself in my dorm room for three days. After the end of those three days, I came out preaching the gospel. I was 19 years old. Victory Christian was the only church that I felt comfortable in because I was still carrying the stigma of my past. Pastor Billy Joe Darty was out preaching, you might be knocked down, but you're not knocked out. That message touched my life and changed me forever. I just want to encourage you and thank you for all that you do for people. You might be knocked down, but you're not knocked out. Whatever God is doing in the earth, I pray that Victory Christian is a part of it. May the favor of God rest upon you and all that you do. God bless. About 60 years before Jesus stepped on the scene, this is in the, um, the, the, the books of Josephus that he wrote that are recorded as church history records. They didn't make it into the Bible, but they're stories that are accurately proven that happened in church history. 
They didn't make it into the canon, but Jewish rabbis read these stories. And in Israel, this would be a story that they recorded as a, an important story in their nation. And it's a story about a man named Honey. And Honey one day was outside and kids and parents came around him and they said, it hasn't rained in years. We're in a famine, we're about to die. The next generation is not gonna make it if we don't get water. And Honey was the only guy, this is when all the prophets had died off. So, so Malachi was the last book in the Old Testament that had been written, it had been 300 plus years since God had spoken to man. Jesus was not yet on the scene, but Honey was there. They came to him, he was a rabbi. They said, will you pray for rain? You're the only guy that we think could possibly get God's attention. Will you pray for rain? So Honey takes his staff because he realizes the importance of this prayer that the next generation is hinging on rain right here. If it doesn't rain, it's gonna be a drought and these kids are gonna die. And he takes his staff and he circles in the sand with the staff and he stands inside the circle and he says, oh God of the universe, we ask you for rain. Lord, we can't do it on our own. We have no power over the clouds, but God of the clouds, God of the universe, would you pour down your rain? And he stood there and nothing happened. And he said, I will not leave this circle until I see a raindrop on this ground. You go, well, that's not scriptural. We'll look at Luke 18, verse one through eight, the story of the persistent widow. Jesus tells a made up story called a parable. In other words, it didn't happen, but he wanted people to know there's a powerful point in this lesson. He tells his disciples there was a widow who would not give up persistent prayer. She was determined to get justice for whatever it was was going on. She kept going to the judge's house, knocking on his door, pleading, pleading, refusing to quit. I won't stop coming to your house. The judge should have put a restraining order on this woman, but he didn't. And Jesus wanted you to know something from this story. This judge didn't fear God and didn't love people. But the judge said, because this woman is wearing me out, that's a boxing term for all of you UFC fans. Because this woman is wearing me out, McGregor, this woman keeps on knocking me down. I am exhausted by this woman's prayers and pleas and requests. And even though I don't fear God, and even though I don't love people, I'm going to do what she asks, lest she takes me down for good. And Jesus says, if that fearless, if that judge who didn't fear God and didn't love people did that for that woman, how much more will God do for you? It's time to pray some bold prayers. It's time to stand in the circle and say, God, I'm not leaving till I see a raindrop. So something happened that day. Listen, this is very important. These last 10 minutes are the most important part of the message. All of a sudden, a raindrop fell from the sky and people were looking around. True story recorded in the history books of Israel. And one raindrop after another raindrop started to fall that day in Israel. And the parents and the kids, they start crying because they knew this rain meant life. Water was life for them. One ounce of water meant one more year of life, one more day of life. So little raindrops started falling. And he stood in that circle and he said, God, I've not asked for small raindrops. Lord, I've asked you to open the floodgates of heaven. Lord, give us so much rain that it fills cisterns and caverns and caves and fills up all the holes in Israel. And all of a sudden, it started a downpour. <sighs> started pouring with rain. So much rain that day in the history books, it said people started running towards the Temple Mount to escape the flash floods. It was so much rain. They'd never seen this much rain in Israel before. This was like Elijah type of rain. And then Honey stood in the circle, still right there. And he said, God, 
We've not just prayed for the floods of rain, but Lord, we've prayed for the rain of your grace on our nation, the rain of your gentleness, your kindness. And all of a sudden, those flood waters started to change to a sweet little rain that came like a sprinkle on Israel. That day, Israel knew God answers bold prayers and bold prayers honor God. What kind of prayers are you praying? What are you believing for? What are you asking God for? I'm asking God in the month of October for us as a church to reach more lost people than we've ever reached since I've been the pastor of Victory. I'm believing God that the $4 million we need towards this vision are gonna come in sooner than later. I've got an idea in my head. I'm almost cautious to say it, but maybe we should throw caution to the wind and just take some bold, audacious faith. I believe that $4 million could come in in the next 12 months. Let's stop trying to think that it's gonna take 24 months. Let's see what God can do between now and October of 2019. I believe some of you, you've been waiting for a miracle. You've been waiting for a son to come back to Christ. You've been waiting for a turning in your family. You've been waiting for a promotion at your job. And God says, I see you. I hear you. I've been watching you. I've counted every tear, every prayer you pray. Your prayers escape this, this universe in time and space, and they go straight to heaven's ears. And God says, I hear what you've been asking for. Don't stop asking like the persistent widow. I want you to stand to your feet today because some of us have lost the boldness in our prayers. We've lost the audacity to ask God for things that are beyond our natural ability or power. God says, I want you to stretch your faith. I want you to believe with audacity. I want you to be like Mike Phillips. I want you to have an encounter that changes your life, changes your state, changes your community, changes your family. God wants to use you. He wants to promote you, but the pathway towards promotion is true humility and audacious faith.